you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Bill's, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, and W Wheels. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, but with me on the line, we've got Mike Sweeney of Mike Sweeney Photo. Mike, how's it going, brother? It's been a while. I'm good. I'm good. Good to, uh, good to hear your voice. Good to be back on. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure, uh, and... Uh, this will be no different, I'm sure. Uh, good to hear your voice as well, uh, and and good to have you on right after uh, the New Jersey, New York's East Rutherford Supercross, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was a unique event, and uh, and you were behind the lens doing your shutterbug thing. Uh, first of all, um, how was your weekend as, as a whole? Oh, it was great. It was um, a little on the tiring side. I put in you know a really long day on Saturday. Uh, got up at 4:30 in the morning. Uh, I wanted to be inside of the uh, stadium at the very top of the stadium as the sun was coming up uh, to catch that photo. And uh, gosh, I think I left the stadium at about 7.30 or so. Yeah, it was 7.30 because I remember the guard kicking us out of the press box saying that uh, he wanted to go home <laughs> and could we leave at <laughs> 7.30? And so I was like, yeah, sure, it's not a problem. And, which was nice because by the time I left, the uh, the traffic was completely dissipated, so made it right back to my hotel room real quick and uh, continued working for like another two hours, uh, you know, just going through photos and finally couldn't keep my eyes open any longer and crashed. So, but uh, it was good, man. It's, it's uh, daytime supercross from uh, a photography point of view as a, as a photographer, and it's you can't ask for much more. Uh, you get good light and great action and. Yeah, it's just awesome. I loved it. I'm sure uh, just about every photographer would agree with me. Uh, you know, you're not having the, to push the high ISO, so the film's not grainy. You get much better color, much sharper images, and it's just awesome. Absolutely. Uh, an absolute um, huge amount of photos coming out of that particular Supercross, I think, uh, mainly because all of the fo- photographers were able to uh, capture some great images time after time after time uh, consistently throughout the day. Uh, and it was an early start. Uh, you guys uh, most likely leaving your hotel room around 6 o'clock in the mor- or morning or even earlier for you. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, how you, like the change of how you approach a day Supercross versus a uh, a night supercross, as well as uh, you've t- you've said in the past that sometimes it's hard to uh, find a unique angle. Like you, like you guys are kind of herded into one spot, uh, or maybe a couple of different locations. Uh, was it like that for this particular event? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a little bit more like shooting outdoors, and that you look for um, the combination of good spot and good light. Um, morning practice, like when 
practice first started early morning. I think the first practice was at 9 o'clock, maybe 8 o'clock. I can't remember which. I think it was 9 o'clock that was when the first practice was. The light was really good. It was just start, you know, still at a fairly low angle, just starting to filter into the stadium. Uh, it was really nice. And then towards later, towards the later in the practice, the sun was pretty high and not as great um, for shooting. But the difference between like the daytime supercross and the nighttime supercross is nighttime, the light's not really as important because it's pretty even throughout the stadium. Um, some stadiums you have like dark spots and bright spots where the light's more intense. Um, and you can pick up on it with your light meter and your camera. Um, See, and you want to definitely avoid the darker spots because most of the stadiums are pretty dark to begin with, and you're really pushing your your ISO, you know, um, to get good images. Um, so it's a little different as far as that went. Um, but the later, especially towards uh, from like the 250 LCQ on, uh, the sun started going the other way, started going down, and got really good. Uh, the um, the 450 semis, the light was just perfect. The uh, the back straight there with a camel or uh, the dragon was a dragon's back that rhythm section yeah. there. Um, I actually posted a photo on my Instagram today of uh, of Weston Pike going through there. It was like I couldn't wait for them to start the race because the light was so good right there. I was shooting straight down the straightaway, and uh, sun was at a really low angle highlighting them. Uh, track was actually in shadow at that point, but when they jumped. Uh, to do each rhythm section, as they're kind of in the air, they jump up into the sunlight. So you'd catch them like lit by the sun, and then they'd lay them back down in the shadows. Um, so that was like really good. I got a ton of good stuff from that from that semi race. Um, so if anybody wants to see them, check out uh, my Instagram or actually on my website right now. I just posted a big gallery of photos, um, just msweeneyphoto.com, and uh, you can see a big gallery on there. So. Hey, Brad, as well you as Sweeney Photo on uh, on Instagram, and uh, for yep. those who don't, please do follow you. You've got some great photos. Sometimes you pull some from way back in the day. Sometimes you pull some from last summer when you were shooting some local motocrosses, and of course, this this last weekend, uh, you're uh, you're shooting uh, independently for uh, basically for yourself, just to have some great photos, and as well to do you do you submit them to magazines for publish, or uh, what's that whole deal all about? Yeah. Um... I divide them up. I, there's a bunch of them right now on uh, Pulp MX. Uh, uh, I do a lot of work with Steve. Uh, basically, he has a, a Canadian guy, uh, James Lismore, who's a fantastic photographer, uh, does a lot yeah. of the West Coast stuff for him. Um, but when James isn't covering an event or if the event is back east, I will usually uh, um, go and shoot it. But I also sent it to uh, Racer X and also sent a few to... Uh, to Verb, um, I'm good friends with Mike Emery, who's their their main shooter there at Verb. Uh, but I've gotten to know a few of the Verb guys over the last year, and they asked me to uh, you know, to send some stuff in for consideration, so I sent it in. And I also, um, you know, if I get some real good shots of you know Weston Pike or uh, you know Andrew Short or whatever, I'll send those to Fly. You know, same with uh, you know Marvin and Ryan and whoever else is in Fox, I'll send the Fox and one down the line that way um as a photographer you typically don't make a lot of money from the magazines uh where the money is at is if you can sell an image to uh, the manufacturer so that's what you want to do uh if you're looking to make money so 
There you go. Uh, hone in and uh, and get some good photos. Uh, might have to uh, talk to the uh, the guys over at Just One uh, Just One Helmets. Maybe you would have got a, a good photo uh, of a Blake Baggett, perhaps. Oh yeah, no, I definitely got a few shots of them. Uh, if you have a a connection, I'd love to talk to you once we're done. As far as uh, who to send that photo to, always up for Absolutely. doing that. Absolutely, we'll. Uh... We'll put those wheels in motion for you 110%. Um, your photos are uh, are somewhat unique. I can always tell a Mike Sweeney photo by just by looking at it more often than not. Not only do you do I notice that it's your Instagram handle that's posting it, but uh, regardless, uh, I, I always know it's your photo reg- uh, either way. Um, what do you feel about your um, the way you approach photography allows you to do that? Um. That's a great question. That's something I've never considered, to tell you the truth. Um, I, just, I just look at the track and, you know, uh, like we talked about in that very first podcast, I just look at the track, look for good light, look for a good spot, and try and mesh all the pieces together and just hammer the crap out of it. Um, you know, set up and just focus and shoot it. Um, but but and you're, I know what you mean by, like, you can tell a person, like, I can tell a, a Cudby photo or an Emery photo or a Ryan Swanberg photo or a Buckley photo or Chris Hattunian or, uh, you know, right on down the line. Um, so I know exactly what you mean, but I'm not sure what it is that makes, you know, my photos look like my photos. Um, and there are certain techniques that I use, um, maybe more than other people. Um, like I've always liked doing, uh, using the flash outside in the sunlight to fill the shadows um, and also doing that technique with a slower shutter speed and panning so that the rider is, um, is sharp, but the background is blurred. Something I've been doing forever. I was, you know, doing that in my very first race I shot in uh, 89 at Southwick. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that might be part of it. And I definitely use some of that technique again this weekend. Um, and I'm not, really seen any other photo like that posted up online. So in that way, maybe that's kind of my look, I guess. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I don't know how I kind of define the line. I just, I don't really think about it that much anymore to tell you the truth. I just kind of look at the track and look at what's going on and just let it happen. If that makes sense. For sure. I think, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you just, you produce the pictures that you think are going to look good, uh, or, or, or appeal to a certain group of people. And, uh, and that's what you go out and capture. Uh, it's, everyone's got their own idea of how to, how to capture the, the sport. And, uh, and you definitely seem to have a knack for it, uh, and a, and a very, um, easily distinguishable one. Um, you're a photographer that's not a, you're not a regular on the scene. You're not at, at all, every single one of these races. Um, so how do the other uh, photographers kind of uh, accept you into the fray uh, as you uh, uh, come off for these one-off events? Um, especially if you're, it happened to be uh, standing in a, a spot where they may, they might've wanted to get a shot from. How do you guys uh, attack that uh, gentle ballet of uh, so many photographers out there doing their thing? Yeah. I- I've never had a problem with another photographer in in terms of like somebody, you know, looking at me like I'm stealing money out of their wallet or something. Um, I think people know that, you know, I don't really give photos away. Um, so in that sense, I'm not, you know, taking money away from anybody. Um, I get along with everybody as far as that goes. Um, 
yeah, no issues there. Um, I'd love to be able to do every single race. It's just, uh, you know, and if I could make that happen where, uh, you know, the income was there enough, and, you know, to cover the expense of traveling to everyone, I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. It's just, uh, you know, not financially feasible at the moment. Hopefully someday, uh, in the not too distant future, that'll be something that we can make happen. But yeah, you know, I'm friends with, you know, all the guys like, I, uh, I got a great shot of Mike Emery, uh, taking pictures of Marvin and Ryan spraying uh, champagne on each other. Actually, this happened twice this week. And uh, Mike posted the photo that he was taking up. And I was like, hey, Mike, I got a photo of you taking that photo. He's like, post it up. So I posted it up. And then, you know, that was funny. And then same thing with uh, uh, Andrew Short posted a photo that could be checked. And I posted on her, hey, I got the photo of uh, Simon taking that photo. And sure enough, I got it looked like exact same moment that he was taking a photo of Andrew. So Racer X was like, hey, post that up. So I posted it up and like Simon and I got talking back. back and forth. Yeah, I mean, all the dudes that shoot are super nice. And, uh, you know, I was kidding around with Simon this weekend because he's carrying, most of us carry two cameras and Simon's carrying three now. Uh, so I was kidding around with Simon. I'm like, Simon, I know there's a way we can find a fourth carrier for you or somewhere. <laughs> so we were laughing about that. But it's, uh, no I'm kidding. Uh, what, what's the what's the ideology about uh, behind that and uh, carrying multiple bodies, multiple uh, um, multiple lenses? Uh, yeah, like I said, most of us carry two um, and some three. My current setup, uh, I use Nikon D3s, which are uh, you know digital SLRs, um, and my camera on my right side is set up with uh, a 70 to 200 uh, f2.8 lens, which is just a beautiful, super sharp, crisp lens. Um, and the camera on the left side has uh, one of two lenses. I typically carry a shorter lens, uh, like a wide angle to medium. Uh, so it's either a 24 millimeter, which is wide angle to 70. So it covers me exactly from 24 millimeters to 200 millimeters between two cameras, and there's no gap at all, which is really nice. Uh, and then sometimes if I need a little bit more coverage, I'll switch that 24 to 70 out to a 14 to 24. The 14 to 24, when you're down on the 14 millimeter, super wide angle. Um, if you see the photo that I took of the sunrise coming up the stadium, I took that with a 14 millimeter uh, just because of how much coverage it gives you. Uh, and I also will run the flash on the, the camera with the wide angle lens, the shorter body. Uh, so that's where you'll see the, the flash fill photos, the, the pan photos. That's where that comes from is that camera. Um, what Simon and uh, the other guys that are carrying three are doing is they're carrying on that third body that I'm not carrying. They're running the uh, 300 millimeter 2.8 telephoto, um, which is just a fantastic lens. It's just um, incredibly sharp and just gives you a little bit more uh, reach, uh, you know, there's action happening at a distance. Um, for the most part, for Supercross, not super needed just because it's kind of, it's almost overkill because you're never really that far away. Uh, but there's definitely uh, a few spots on every race where I'm wishing that I had one with me. Uh, but outdoors, absolutely. Like most of my older stuff that you'll see, that was taken with a, uh, a telephoto lens where you see that real blurred background. Um, 
and their super crisp image, that those are all taken with a 300 two-way, um, a manual focus one, actually. But yeah, so the guys at the carrying three, they're just adding that uh, little bit of extra telephoto lens into the arsenal, uh, just to give them a few more options. Cool. It's good to have options out there, uh, and you guys capture some pretty unique images. Uh, one of your favorite guys to photo uh, is Trey Kennard. He was he's injured, broken broken arm. Mm. Uh, so obviously, with that guy out, uh, who who kind of filled that spot for you? Who was uh, kind of some eye candy for you? Uh, who you really enjoyed shooting uh, this past weekend? Uh, actually, the, my two favorite guys are in the two fifty class. Uh, Marvin, who I just always love shooting. Just his angles are so cool, and he just Marvin just always looks awesome on the bike, and it just you know, it's just his form. I got so many good shots of him. It's just crazy, and it's it's. He makes it easy for us too, you know, just because he always looks so good and just always doing cool stuff and just flying around on the bike. And then uh, Justin Bogle, too, same thing. Um, there was actually, if you saw his heat race, uh, he went over the over under bridge, that big jump over the over the under bridge, and he did this like crazy like whip thing where his like his hips were below the seat and his his mm-hmm. right foot was like sticking straight up. And I caught it on film. Um, it's actually on my site. It's also on Pulp's site. Um, and Mike Emery also caught it. And I looked at him. I'm like, did you catch that? He's like, yeah, did you? I'm like, yeah. So we like both looked at our cameras to make sure we had it. We're like, holy shit, look at that. And he, it was just like this. You know that how Justin just has his own style? And it's just like. Yeah. Uh, he actually retweeted my photo or uh, reposted my photo on Instagram, too, if you follow Justin. Cool. Uh, you'll see it. Um, so yeah, it's just that classic Justin style where like his butt is a little bit closer to the seat, but he's like, you know, the bike's almost upside down and his hips are like underneath the saddle and his, his inside leg bent and his outside leg is like straight up. <laughs> it's like you look at it and that jump, the the landing, the backside on that was like crazy steep. Um, oh, the on the, on the, the over-under bridge is... Uh... Like the landing is crazy steep. When I walked the track with uh, Adam Entignap, I didn't even walk up the damn thing. I was like, that is steep. I'll roll an ankle on the way down. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I was looking at that. You have to be so precise to land in the right spot. And actually, um, did you see the, the, I watched the TV coverage of the race when I came home. Did you, I can't remember who it was, but somebody landed on the, on the tough blocks on the left side of that and literally rode down the tough blocks and still saved it. It was crazy. I don't believe I saw that, but uh, yeah, these guys are crazy talented, and uh, you guys behind the behind the uh, the shutter are equally as so in your own craft, man. Uh, All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? 
I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. So, what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than hair and stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter-X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to dubyausa.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borden today at 204-633-2722. How cool is it to uh, to like be there with some of these photographers that you like you see their photos all the time and uh, and kind of be right in there with them? Oh, it's awesome. I love I love seeing those guys and it's uh you know it's part of the fun for me. It's just um you know a lot of them don't know who I am and that's that's fine. You know my running joke is I'm a has been and there never was. <laughs> so it's um 
you know, some of them do like Mike knows and some of the guys that follow me on Instagram know that, you know, I've been shooting for a long time and, you know, what I did back probably before most of them were out of grade school, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's good. You know, I've, I've gotten to know a few of the guys cause I've been more frequent in the last two or three years shooting. Races, so, um, it's good. It's fun seeing everybody and talking and see what's going on. It's like, um, spend a little bit of time talking lighting with Simon. Um, cause we're talking about like, if you go to, uh, an NBA or an NHL game, uh, inside of the, um, you know, the garden or, you know, wherever you're watching NHL or NBA, um, the photographers actually have strobes mounted in the ceiling, uh, and they're, they're synced to their cameras. So, uh, when they're shooting photos, they actually have the benefit of, you know, the, the flash lighting, um, don't see it as much anymore with digital because the digital cameras are so good um, as far as low light conditions. But back in the film days, you'd see it all the time. If you ever watch Did I lose you? Hello? Nope. Oh, I lost you. Did I ever did, did, did I ever watch? No, I was saying, uh, talking about the, stu- the strobe lighting in, in okay. like... Yep. But if you go back and watch, like, um, say, a dunk contest, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime, if you watch one of doing a dunk in slow-mo, you'll see all these strobes, like these really heavy strobes going off. Those are the strobes that are up on the ceiling uh, of these okay. of the stadiums. Uh, so I was talking to Simon, and I was like, Simon, wouldn't it be awesome to put some strobes in the ceiling in one of these places and shoot supercross? And he was telling me, I guess, uh, yeah, like, the photos would be ridiculous. Um, cause you'd have so much more control over the light and, you know, just get so much better picture. And I guess somebody, he told me somebody tried it like 10 years ago, uh, either the AMA or somebody, the riders or maybe a combination of both like flipped out about it. So nobody's really tried it hmm. since, but you know, you know, that's the kind of talk. It's just like technical, you know, camera, uh, lighting, uh, action. Hey, did you see that? You know, that type of stuff. But, it's it's very amicable. I get along with everybody, so it's uh it's all good. Cool, man. That that is really cool to see. Like you guys have a little bit of a brotherhood. I I'm, I assume you all speak the same language of of photography. Um, what's your favorite aspect of the night show? Uh, do you get the the anticipation same way fans do? Uh, is it business as usual? Uh, what's your game face like when it comes to uh, finding those shots and uh, kind of game planning where you're going to be, when you're going to be there? You know, part of the reason I still love doing this is because I get excited just like a fan. I mean, it's just like, you know, opening ceremonies is kind of weird because it was in the sunlight. You know, I definitely lost a little bit of luster there because, you know, the fireworks don't look as good and the laser's not there and you know, the smoke and the flames and all that. It's not, you know, it was impressive in the daylight, but like, even still, even in the sun, it's like, you know, Chad's video comes on with him and his little guy, and, you know, they start playing the ACDC music cranked up and, you know, you get like fired up for it for sure. At least I do. I don't know, you know, maybe Simon who's on race 16 and like Emery and those other guys are, you know, they've seen that same show 16 times. They might not be, but I know myself, you know, speaking personally, I was just definitely like, yeah, Supercross, you know? Woo! Um, so yeah, I was like, it's uh, definitely get a little excited. And then as soon as the gate drops, just completely forget about it. And, um, just, I, I personally, I just get so focused on what I'm doing. Um, 
you know, I'm not noticing anything. Well, I have to say, there's a lot of talk about how the crowd was subdued um, on, on some of the podcasts that I've listened to. But I'm telling you, when I was right. down on the track, they're full on battling it out. There were a few times when there was passes getting made, crowd was roaring like way over the sound of the bikes down on the floor. So uh, I don't know if maybe it's because the guys who are doing podcasts didn't get out of the press box or uh, what to do with, but it sounded pretty loud down on the floor to me. So um, I thought that was pretty good. And the, the crowd turnout seemed fantastic. Um, seemed like a really good crowd there in that life. So I thought that was good. Hmm. Well, it it I, it's easy to understand that uh, a daytime uh, crowd might be a little bit less raucous than say a nighttime event, but sure. uh, yeah, with good racing, I think that brings out the cheers of of any crowd. So, uh, and it, like uh, it's it's good to see that, um, that to hear that, it, that there was a good response to it. Um, having a having a Supercross in the the Northeast uh, coming back for this is the second year they hadn't been there in quite some time I believe it was 20 years since they had one in that particular area uh, in going into last year um, th- this is one of you, this has got to be one of your favorite events of the year outdoors is kind of I wouldn't say more your thing but uh, as far as photography goes you lick your chops a little bit more just because the possibilities are kind of endless um, uh, as far as Supercross goes, uh, were, you, were you happy with your weekend? Did you get the shots that you were looking for, uh, especially of uh, Miss Supercross? Yeah, yeah. I, I I was happy with what I shot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not leaving. Uh, you know, I'm not going through the images, and I'm, you know, I'm always like, man, I wish I got this, and I wish I got that, and I'm never 100% satisfied. But, yeah, I think I, I got some good stuff. Um you know, there's things that I'm not as good at that, you know, other people are stronger at. Um, like, and I think that's partly just um, not being around the races as much. Like, if you see, um, like, when Simon's in the pits or taking photos of the racers, you can tell in his photos, and I think the same with Mike Emery and a few other guys, you can tell that they have a, a relationship with the riders. Like, they just know each other, and you can see that comes through in the photos. Um so I don't think I get that as much at this point, but I hope that changes down the road. Um, but yeah, as far as like my action photos go, um, you know, going back through, I always go, man, you know, I always critique myself and just remind myself to do different things next time I go shoot a race. Uh, actually, next year I'll have two cracks at it at least because there's going to be one even closer to my house. They're going to have it at the uh, home of the New England Patriots. Uh, at Gillette Stadium, uh, which is yes, less than, yeah, it's less than half an hour from my house, so <laughs> that's uh, pretty exciting. But actually, I shot the last one there too, which I think was 1989, maybe 1990. I'd have to go back and look, but somewhere in there. 1989, I would have been a few months old. <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, just 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 getting into motocross at the time, not even actually. Uh, Dreams of Stanley Cups in my head, and uh, your favorite team, uh, your Boston Bruins, did not make the playoffs this year, uh, despite you cheering them on ever so much. Um, fortunately, my Winnipeg Jets did, uh, but they got swept. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure what's worse, not making the playoffs or getting trounced three, or not trounced, but basically uh, given an early exit from a uh, north, a south, southern California hockey club. What are your thoughts? 
Uh, I personally went with happy that the Bruins did not make the playoffs simply because they'd get a better draft pick, hopefully. Um, and also because I knew that even if they made the playoffs, they weren't getting out of the first round. So they might as well, you know, get the extra time to rest up next pick. year and get the better draft pick. Um, yeah, they were just, I don't know what was wrong with that team this year, but just they go through a streak where they looked awesome for six or eight games and go undefeated. And then they look like a double A team that, you know, should have been playing in a barn with 50 people. Um, so yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but, wasn't good. No but. joke. And uh, much to the dismay of hockey fans everywhere, the first overall pick did go to the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm sure all American oh. or most most people who are listening to this right now are like, why are they talking about the NHL draft? Because it happens tonight, <laughs> April 30th, 2015, uh, is the the first or the the first round of the uh, NHL draft as well as the NFL draft. Um, and I know you're a huge hockey fan. Um, Connor McDavid of uh, the Lake Erie Otters uh, is going to go first overall to the Edmonton Oilers for the f- fourth time in six years. They're going to have the number one pick. Uh, that's nuts to me. That's insane, isn't it? Yeah, they just keep squandering no overall picks. That's like that's like saying uh, Mitch Payton has the ability to hand pick the best rider coming out of amateurs uh, four, four out of six years and can't produce a championship. Yeah. You know, speaking of Mitch Payton, too. I Actually, know. can't even... No, that's yeah, even worse. Um, that's that's like saying he gets to pick the four, four out of the last six best prospects and that guy can't even win a main event or be top five. Yeah, exactly. It's, although yeah. it seems like that's basically what Geico is doing the last few years. In the moto world, it seems like they're just snapping everybody up, doesn't it? Yeah, them and the Yamaha guys, I think it comes down to program at the grassroots level, or maybe not the grassroots level, but right below. Um, There's a lot of guys that ride for that star racing team, as well as the, the... the Geico team that basically uh, the year before they go pro, uh, they're gar- that's a guaranteed t- contract to go forward with uh, the pro team in, in the following year. So uh, yep. and with when you ride for Team Green, there's no no guarantees that you're going to be on a Kawasaki uh, on Mitch's team unless uh, uh, you're Adam Cianzarillo. So uh, guys are, are, are going with the guaranteed work. And um, yeah, it's showing. Obviously this year uh, you got one guy, uh, you have... Two of the last three championships in the 250 class have been won by Star Racing, and if I was to if I was to predict that two years ago, I would have gotten laughed off the line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Adam is six foot and 155 pounds now. Yeah, that blows me away, especially because his dad's not really all that tall a guy. Uh, 150 pounds is more more of what I would have maybe weighed in grade nine. Uh, but, uh, nevertheless, yeah, kids filled out a little bit, uh, and as well as being six feet tall, that's, uh, we're getting up, up near, uh, the Travis Preston style, uh, height. That's, uh, honestly, that's only one inch shorter than Travis Pastrana. Yeah. Yeah. He went from five, five to six foot. So he's basically in like the last year. Wow. That's, uh, that's impressive. Yeah, I thought so. I'm kidding. Shot up like a weed. You should should sign him up for hockey. Actually, uh, a little puck moving defenseman, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe help out that uh, that ailing back end of the Bruins. 
Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> At this point, you use all the help. Even even a kid from Florida that races motorcycles, but he has no he has no basketball games, so maybe he'll be with the NHL. Yeah, it wouldn't be too bad. Uh, they they would play in the same uh, the same facility anyway. <laughs> um, so what what's the what does the future look like for uh, Sweeney Photo? What's the next time that we're going to be able to enjoy photos from you uh, going forward? Um, and uh, yeah, basically just give us an idea of where, if we haven't already, where can we check out some of your work? Sure. Uh, going forward, uh, I'm actually still about seventy thirty on uh, going out to Hangtown to shoot the opener. Um, okay. You know, about 80-20 on staying for the week and going down and shooting Glen Helen. Um, just need to figure out finances and a few other things. It's uh, would be an expensive week. Um, so if I can work that, I definitely will. Um, yes. Otherwise, it'll probably won't be until uh, I don't know. I might try and hit Colorado. Um, it's always good to go home because you know from Colorado. So. Um, Maybe you get off. I was wearing a Colorado Rockies hat today, by the way. Nice. That works. The, uh, yeah, buddy. Black and purple. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it might be Colorado. And if not, then uh, if those all fall through, most likely it'll be whenever they get back east. Um, you know, High Point, Budge Creek, uh, Dilla, uh, one of those. Unfortunately, no South Lake again this year. But um, the track is reopened. The good news for all you people that yeah. don't live locally. There's uh, local races happening there again. I guess the promoter, the, the owner of the track is in talks with uh, MX Pro Sports and working towards resolution to get the national back. Um, so that's good. And can I tell you, every time I hear talk about how they're not going to get attendance at the USGP at Glen Helen, they put that damn thing at Southwick that have 60,000 people there. It doesn't, it's just like, wouldn't matter. You would have such a huge crowd there. I'm like, what do you think I'm putting out of Glen Helen? But anyway, so that's just. Yeah, I'm not too sure. And they used to have pretty decent attendance at the Unadilla round as well when yeah. they did the USGP there, correct? Yeah, huge, huge. Uh, unbelievable crowds there, especially, you know, at the height, like, you know, 89 through 93. Uh, yeah, when uh, Stanton came back and won both motos, and I think it was '92. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, those are those are good races. Larger in '89, massive crowd. Um, but yeah, I don't know why they didn't put it at one of the East Coast tracks. You know, bring it back to Dillo. Or I understand there was some sort of race the next week would have been tough for them to go from East Coast to West Coast. But I mean, crap, they went from New York to Vegas this week, so you know. And then from, uh, from Seattle York, to yeah, or the Santa Santa Clara, Santa Clara, Santa Clara to, yeah. to New York, yeah. And then like Vegas is basically two hours away from uh, like Newport Beach, so <laughs> yeah, yep. Oh, I heard they uh, you've got Supercross back in Canada next year too. It's coming back to Toronto. Toronto Supercross, the second Supercross I ever watched, two thousand and six. Yeah. Supercross, well, like first one I was ever at uh, was uh, yeah, 2006 in uh, when they used to have those World Supercross rounds, and uh, we'd get uh, a couple of 450 guys uh, and a, a, a few, very few uh, 250 guys. But yeah, no, th those are awesome, man. Uh, uh, if if, if it, it could work out that we uh, we we both take in that uh, that Toronto round, I'd be all over that. 
that hopefully James will be back doing some insane stuff for us to watch. Yes, sir, my friend. But uh, I'll let you go. Um, I'll you have yourself a great night. Thanks for giving us all that insight on uh, shooting Supercross uh, from a photography standpoint. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, before the gate drops in Glen Helen, we'll have to have you on to break down a couple of those series just to uh, do a little bench racing with a guy we liked, uh, we, know, we both know very well, Mr. Tony Blazer. Sounds good, Brad. Definitely. It's always a, always a pleasure to be on with you on the Big MX Radio Show. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you. You have yourself a great night, man. You too. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.